Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Well, it's so good to see you all. Um, if you don't know, my name is Matt Wolf. I'm the new lead pastor here. This is my second week here, so if you're just checking us out, yeah, if you're just checking us out, it's okay. We can start together, right? I think that's great. I've had a few people say that. Hey, this is my second week too. Awesome. I love it. Well, it's so good to be here. Wasn't Easter a blast last week? I think it was amazing. Um, we all, we had one short of 450 last week. So that, that's amazing. We had a great group of people here to celebrate the, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that was amazing. So that was so exciting. And you guys have been so welcoming to myself and our family. Um, thank you so much. Uh, there's been a meal train and a Valerie uh, put together for us. So thank you all for those who bring us meals meal every night. And they're just like amazing meals because everybody brings the best food. It's like, whoa, this is awesome. You guys are really good cooks. So thank you so much for welcoming us here. We love it. Um, we feel really welcome. It is good to be here. Um, but I do need to tell you that I made my first mistake as your pastor this week. Um, last week, there was a really nice lady who come, came up to me after the service and handed me her card, and your connection card. And I said, oh, okay, thanks. And I took it and put it in my pocket. And I forgot about it. So the next morning, um, when we were about to have our staff meeting, I texted Melissa and said, hey, could you take a picture of that card and send it to me so I have the information on it? And this is what she sent me. It had already made its way through the wash. So if that was you, I apologize. It, if I didn't ignore you, whatever you said, I don't know. So if that was you, come up to me after the service. I'd love to hear what you had to say or get your information again. So I'm sorry about that. Um, hopefully I'll do better this week. Maybe put it in the box. That's what I'm going to say. If you have a connection card, it's the first time you accept Christ, put it in the box. Do not hand it to me. Okay, just forget it. Forget it. Um, so it's great to be here. Well, we today are going to start our first week in our series through the book of Galatians. And it's a series that I'm calling 100% Pure, Organic, GMO-Free Good News. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about what that metaphor means, but um, we're going to be going through this, this book, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a, a group of Galatian churches. And um, I, I know that in the past you guys hadn't had series through books, but Dale Flanders, when he was here as the interim preacher, he preached through the book of Mark, so you guys have gotten a little familiar with it. I'm going to go back and forth, so I'll do some book series, and then I'll also do some topical series. I'll do a little bit of both, because God's Word is good. But we're going to start out with Galatians, because it talks about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to get that right. Now, my series about organic and GMO-free, I don't really care if, if you're all about that, if you're vegan and all, the only thing you eat is cage-free eggs and um, it has to be locally sourced, or, or if you're the person who's like, I don't care, whatever junk food, whatever I can get out of the vending machine is fine, drive through, that, that's what I... So I don't care which one you are, that's not really like, saying anything about that, um, because the reality is we all kind of care that we eat somewhat healthy and try to eat good, um, we, we want to get what's right, and that's what the metaphor is, because we want to get the gospel right. I want us to start out together, start out together and know what the gospel is, to get it absolutely right, because if you get it wrong, if it gets modified or adapted, as we'll talk about today, it really sets your life on the wrong trajectory, on the wrong path. But if you get it right, it will lead to a life of transformation, of hope, and, and, and so much good things, because it's good news. So we want to start out by getting it right. And I know that if you're here, even if you're that person who's like absolutely vegan that you won't even eat plants and just suck on rocks, I don't know what that would be. But if you're so chemo, but there's also people that are, are like that are, that are that love McDonald's. Let's be honest, we like some of us like McDonald's too, right? 
Uh, Jim Gaffigan has a bit, he's a stand-up comedian. He talks about that. He said no matter who he talks to, they say, oh, I don't eat McDonald's. Then he's like, but they sell six billion hamburgers a day, so somebody's lying. <laughs> and, and did you hear this news story just last week? Just last week, there's an eight-year-old boy who watched some videos on YouTube to learn how to drive and waited until his parents were asleep. He saw the story. And, and stole his parents' car, took his sister with him, and they went to the McDonald's drive. And he followed all the traffic laws. They, they had him on camera, on all of the street cameras. And he drove up to the window, and they, the people at McDonald's thought it was a prank. He paid with money from his piggy bank. And then when the cops finally did come and pulled him over, he threw tears. He said, I just wanted a cheeseburger. <laughs> so we, we want McDonald's too, right? So, but, but this really isn't about food this series. It isn't. What it's about is about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because we want to get that pure. We want to get that right. And that's what this series is about. And there's no better book than Galatians to talk about that. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Galatians chapter 1. I'll have it on the screen here. You can use your smartphone. I just want you to be following along as we go through verses 1 to 10 today. So I'll start in verse 1. In case you're wondering, I used the NIV, and it was updated in 2011, so that's the edition I'm using. If you have an older NIV, you might have it slightly different, but it's all good. Um, Verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with him. So he has some other Christian leaders who are with him, and they're writing this letter. It says, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So as you can tell already, he's writing a letter. So this is the Apostle Paul. Next week we're going to talk about him a lot more. Paul was this man who was a very high leader among the Jews. Very religious, very devout. And he hated Christians. He hated Christians. They were, they were changing what he believed. And then something happened to him. We'll get into that next week. And he transformed completely to where he became a Christian. And he became one of the, the main leaders of the early church. And he actually went around all over the known world to plant churches and tell people the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He, he became a missionary and church planter and gave his entire life, even willing to go to his death, to tell people about Jesus. Is that good? It was that good. And he's writing, it says, to the churches in Galatia. I have a map up here in case you don't remember where this is from geography in sixth grade. Um, this is, uh, what is modern-day Turkey? Galatia is a region that's kind of right in the middle. It goes from south to north. And probably on one of Paul's journeys, planting churches, that he would have planted a church in southern Galatia and in one of the cities there. And he would have met a lot of people and started um, these churches. And it says churches. So probably from that one that he started, other ones started throughout that entire region. So he's writing this letter to them because he knew some of them personally. But then there's a lot now that he didn't know. This gospel had spread. More people have come to believe in Jesus Christ. So more churches are springing up. And they had some issues that he needed to address. That he needed to address. So, in verse 6, let's continue reading what Paul has to say to them. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion 
and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says, I don't care what other people think, I need to correct you. You are getting something wrong, terribly wrong, the gospel. And it's so important that I need to correct you. You've got to get this right. If you get this right, it's going to change your life in the right direction. But if you don't, it's going to mess everything up in the wrong direction. You've got to get it right. Now, one thing that's interesting here is what's not here. If you've read some of the other letters that Paul has written, he wrote 13 letters, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, very prolific as a writer. And nine of them were to churches specifically. And every single one of these letters to the churches, except this one, he does his opening address and then he has a section of thanksgiving. So he always says, hey, Corinthians, hey, Philippians. And then he says, I thank God because of you. I thank God because of your generosity, because of your kindness, your love. Whatever it was that they were really good at, he, he gave them an encouragement about the good things before he corrected some of the things they were getting wrong. But here, he doesn't do that. He jumps directly into correction. Now, those of you who are teachers know that you're supposed to do the sandwich method. You know, say one good thing and then a criticism and then another good thing. Paul doesn't do that here. Immediately he goes into correction. He says, you're getting something wrong, and it's so important that I can't waste time saying the good things you're doing wrong. I need to fix this. I've got to get this right. I've got to get the gospel right. And, and you notice how he says there that they're throwing people into confusion. There's these teachers that seem to be Christian. And that's probably what the church thought. They, they thought they were Christian missionaries just like Paul. And they were coming and teaching something a little different than Paul. And sounding a little similar. So they were like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll go along with it. And that's the problem with false teachers. Some of you have been led astray in the past. I, I know it's hard because you see pastors or you hear their messages and you're like, well, it's a pastor. He's a Christian, right? It's got to be right. You watch the sermon on TV. You listen to something. You read a book. and It seems good. It seems Christian. But yet it can lead us astray and mess up our lives. Jesus himself warned us about this. In Matthew 7, 15, he said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you dressed like sheep. But inside they are vegetables. He, he didn't say, okay, there's going to be some false teachers, and you'll know them because they have big things. They're very hairy, big eyes, and they're going to try to go for your jugular. He didn't say that, did he? He said, no, they're going to be dressed like sheep. They're going to look like everybody else. They're going to look like Christians. It's going to sound like Christians even. But what they tell you is wrong. They're really going to devour you. They're vicious. So Jesus said that we need to too watch out for these people. Messing with the gospel is a serious thing. It's a serious thing that needs to get corrected. And that's what Paul says here. Um, yeah, did you notice how he says, okay, even if an angel from heaven should preach a different gospel, don't get left straight. So even if there's this bright light of glory and the archangel Michael comes down and says, Behold! There's trumpets sounding. Music is playing harps. Behold, I have a gospel for you. And it's different than the one that you received from Jesus, from Paul, 
No, no, no. Don't go straight. Paul himself says, if I come back to you and tell you something different, don't listen to me. This gospel is so important, we've got to get it right. We've got to get it right. So that leads us to our big idea today that I get from this passage. It says, with the gospel, our big idea is that with the gospel, there are no additives, no preservatives, no substitutes, no modifications. Nothing should change the gospel. Nothing should change it. No additives, preservatives, no substitutes, no modifications. Okay, we want the gospel, the pure gospel, 100% pure. We don't want anything else to distort it or pervert it. Think about it with uh, great art. Okay, I just want to imagine that you are going to Paris. And you go visit the Louvre. And you stand in line and then you get up to the great Mona Lisa. You see it and you say, something's missing. She just seems so lonely. And then you take your Dr. Cran and you draw in her bow right next to him. She needs another guy with, with her, right? Imagine someone doing that. It's absurd, right? You can't add something to that. Just imagine um, someone going to the Sistine Chapel and looking up there at that great uh, the ceiling that Michelangelo painted. Thinking, you know what? This kind of seems old-fashioned. Adam, she really shouldn't be naked. Let's give him a leather jacket, some skinny jeans, maybe some vans, and give him a skateboard. So it's just a little more up-to-date for kids today. No, no, no. You can't add anything to preserve something like that, to make it up-to-date. Or think about, you go to your, the museum and there's this piece of artwork by Picasso that you love. So you go to the gift shop and then you, you buy a reproduction of it, a print, right? You take it home and then you try to sell it to your friend and say, hey, this is going to be $6 million. They laugh at you, right? Because it's a substitute. It's not the real thing. It's not the real thing, even if it looks kind of like it. Or, or just imagine seeing Van Gogh's Starry Night beautiful painting and saying, oh, I love that, it's so beautiful, but I think we need to change to modify the color scheme. So that's oranges instead of those blues. No, no, no. We would never do any of that with art, would we? We want the real thing. So we cannot do that with the gospel. This is the good news, the best news the world has ever heard and will ever hear. We can't change it. We can't modify it. We can't try to update it for people today. It's good right now. It's great. We need to keep it just as it is. So, just as it would be sacrilegious to change those great works of art, we cannot change the gospel. Let's get it right together. So, the question you should be asking is, well, well what is the good news? If we're not going to change it, if we're not going to get it messed up, we want to make sure we got that right. Some of you today are like, man, I'm not really sure what the gospel is. I've heard that word thrown around a lot. So today, let's figure it out. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about some of these false gospels, like the one Paul is talking about in Galatians, that they were starting to believe. So the gospel. If you notice, in verses 3 to 5, Paul kind of slipped it in there. I think it was on purpose. He started with the gospel. So what you need to know about the gospel is that the, that word gospel literally means good news. It's a Latin word that means good news. That's what the root of it is. And it's a good news about a person. The person of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the good news, you can contain it in one sentence, as Paul does in verses 3 to 5. There's actually uh, 47 words he uses to explain the gospel. You could probably even make it shorter than that, because it's this good news about a person of Jesus. Or you could take uh, 20,000 words like Luke did to tell about Jesus, the gospel according to Luke. 
We have four of those. And there's these different perspectives, but it's all telling the same news about a person, Jesus, and what he did and what it means for us. You could also say the whole Bible, in a sense, is the gospel. It's just a really long prologue, right? Leading up to Jesus. So that's two, you know, that's 800,000 words. Say it in one sentence or in a book, right? But what it's all about is Jesus. So you can say it in different ways, but there's only one news. Let's make sure we get that right. Let's make sure we get that right. So, um, look at verses 3 to 5 again with me, and I'll, I'll point out to you where the gospel is in this one sentence. Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about Jesus in verse 4 here. Who gave himself... For our sins, to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he says here, there's a person I want to tell you news about, right? Jesus, one person, Jesus, and it's something what he did. He gave his life even to the point of death on a cross for us on our behalf, in our place. He died for us. And he did it for a purpose, right? It says to rescue us. This is salvation, to free us. And it's to rescue us from the present evil age. There's this sin that we're living in, and because of our sin, we're going on the path to destruction. On the path to hell. But yet Jesus died to free us, to forgive us from that evil age. To rescue us from it. And this was according to the will of God, our Father. It's according to His will in the Scriptures, He laid out this plan. So this Gospel, He's explaining it in one sentence, it's about Jesus. That he came for us, he came to live for us, to die for us. And if you believe in him, you can have forgiveness, you can be rescued by God. And and it doesn't say that we have to do anything in the gospel, does it? The only thing we do is just accept it. We accept it through faith. And and that's where we get to the word grace. And and I'm going to talk a lot about grace in this series. It's a great word. And he talks about it in verse 6. He said, you're leaving the living in the grace of Christ. So, you were living in the grace of Christ, living in this good news of the gospel, and you've left. Grace is, is God saying, hey, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to give you something anyways. I'm going to give you my son, and if you believe in me, you can have forgiveness, you can have eternal life, you can have joy, you can have hope, you can have all of that and more. You have faith. And it says in Ephesians 2.8.9 what our response is to this gospel. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, by us believing, we accept that grace. And it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Saying it's nothing that you have done, or could do, or will do, it's what Jesus has already done that saves you. That's the gospel, that's good news. And it's going to completely transform our lives, as I'll talk about in a minute. Um, Pastor Tim Keller said that the essence of other religions is advice. Christianity is essentially news. Other religions say, this is what you have to do in order to connect to God forever. This is how you have to live in order to earn your way to God. But the gospel is different. The gospel says, this is what has been done in history. This is how Jesus lived and died to earn the way to God for you. Christianity is completely different. It is joyful. Christianity isn't advice. It's not instruction. It includes those things, but that's not what it is at its its core part of its news. It's a proclamation, an announcement that Jesus has done everything already for you. You just have to believe. So I want to make sure we get that right. You got it? 
you have questions about it, you got to let me know now. Before we move ahead, okay? I, I, I want to make this very clear what the gospel is, because that's what's at the core of everything we do. And if you get it right, it's going to change your life for good. And if you get it wrong, it's going to mess things up, as we'll see. And that's what Paul says here. Okay, there's these people coming to you, and he's like, I don't even care if they're angels. Don't let anyone mess up that good news, because if they do, then it's not really good news. He said it's not really a gospel. It's not really a gospel. Did you know that it's a very common war tactic to use counterfeit currencies? You know, in the Civil War, this was especially prolific. Um, the, the North would print tons and tons of Confederate money and put it all throughout the South. And they put it everywhere because then people would try to use it and eventually it, it would you know, mess up the, the value of money and people want to trust money. And then if you don't trust money, then you don't really trust the government and then you don't really want to support or fight for them, right? It was a very good tactic in war. And, and I think in the same way, the enemy wants to throw in this counterfeit gospel to lead us astray, to mess up our lives. So maybe we want to trust God like we should. So that maybe we want to live like we're supposed to. He really wants us to go astray. But we've got to know what the truth is. So I hope that you leave today knowing what the truth is, knowing how to be able to spot some of these counterfeits. And that's what I'm going to talk about next. So I said that the gospel, there are no, with the gospel there are no additives, no preservatives, no substitutes, no modifications. And that's what I'm going to show you today. There's, there's four of those things. There's really five. There's two to one of them that I want you to notice because there are these counterfeit gospels these fake gospels that I don't want you to go after. And sometimes we, we believe these things. Sometimes in our hearts we tell ourselves these things, our mind, you know. But I don't want you to be led astray by them. Paul says that these people are under a curse. I mean, that's pretty tough language. He's saying these people should be damned. Damned to hell because of what they're teaching. Not, not that for the people that are led astray, he wants to bring them back. But for the people who know the truth and yet teach something different, those people are going to be under God's judgment. That says in James 3.1. There's people who should be damned for what they're teaching to lead people astray. So let's get it right. So here are the four um, false gospels I want you to be aware of. There's more than these four, but here are four that are prominent today. The first one is what I call gospel plus. These are people that try to add something to the gospel. They would say, you need to believe in Jesus Christ, but also you need to in addition to believing, you have to also do this. Whatever it is. It can be a lot of different things. It can be, you have to believe, but you also have to be baptized, if you want to go ahead. For the, the Galatians at the time, it was believe, but also be circumcised. Because they were very Jewish. Okay? We have to stick with our Jewish roots. Or else you're not really saved. But it can be anything. It can be you have to be a part of this specific denomination. Anybody else isn't saved. It could be our specific church. So it's you believe plus something else. Tracking with me? So it's the gospel plus. Whatever it is. It can be social activism. It can be uh, no literary. You need to recycle if you really want to be so, so the reason why this gospel is not a gospel, and, and the reason it messes up our lives, because if you do those extra things, you kind of get yourself puffed up. Because you've contributed to your salvation. It wasn't that Jesus had done everything, but I too have made the right decision to be baptized. I too have done this good thing. I too am a part of this church. So you get puffed up very arrogant, and then you begin to judge other people. Because anyone who's not part of your church, or hasn't been baptized, or hasn't added the thing that you think needs to be added, then that person, ooh, how can they even call themselves a Christian? 
It's how prejudice comes about because we say, oh, those people, they're not in with us. Look, comfortability, how awful they are, how sinful. And it becomes this judgmental attitude. God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to be humble, saying, I didn't do anything, Jesus did everything. I'm not saved because of anything I've done. I know God saved me. So we should have a humble attitude, not judging anyone, but loving everyone, wanting them to know the good news too. So this gospel plus, which isn't really gospel, will lead you astray. There's a second one, no preservatives, I said, right? No preservatives. So anybody who's saying we need to do something to preserve the gospel so that it's more acceptable for people in the 21st century. Heard this? Yeah, we got to reach the millennials. Well, I'm a millennial and I can tell you we don't need to mess with the gospel to reach millennials. The gospel is good today, just as it was 2,000 years ago. So there's lots of different ways that people mess with the gospel this way. One of the most prominent that I've seen is by taking away things like sin, judgment, and hell. They say, oh, sin, let, let's just call it bad choices. Okay, there's not really judgment or hell. And you know, everybody, unless you're like Hitler, everybody's going to eventually be saved. Because God just loves everyone, right? We, we try to make it even more palatable, this gospel. But that's not really good news. It's not good news. Because if there is no sin, then you are going to continue to live in the slavery of sin for the rest of your life. And it's going to ruin yourself and your relationships and home people around you. And if there's no hell, then there's going to be people going to hell thinking that they're fine. Just imagine this, that your neighbor's house is about to be destroyed by a wrecking ball. And you know he's sleeping in. Would you go and wake him up and say, there's about to be destruction? Or or would you say, he's probably had a a really hard time. There's probably a reason why he's sleeping in this morning. He's probably tired. I better just let him sleep in. No, because then he's going to die. You don't want him to face destruction. You want to rescue him. It's not nice. To let someone go to go to destruction and tell them that there's no such thing as destruction or judgment or hell. It's not. It's not loving. It's not kind. Thought. So we shouldn't do anything to, to try to preserve the gospel. Say, oh, it means something so it's up to date. There's other ways that people do this, but we don't need to do that at all. The good news is still the good news. It's very good. It's very good. The third one, no substitutes. No substitutes. There's one that's very prominent today called the prosperity gospel, which again is not a gospel. So this substitute is quite popular in some place in our country, but really popular, growing popularity in Latin America and Africa. Um, And it's people who are teaching that, yeah, there might be eternal life and salvation, but that's not what really matters. But if you believe in Jesus Christ and you're a good person, you can be rich. You can have lots and lots of money. And if you're sick, you can be healed. So you can be healthy and wealthy if you believe. This is a substitute to the true gospel. Because it forgets that Jesus didn't have a home. He said the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay down his head. That's what Jesus said. It forgets about Paul who had to go from town to town, you know, relying on the generosity of other people. You know, a lot of the early Christian preachers were were homeless. We forget about that. Do we forget about that? Yes, Christians can be wealthy. Yes, Christians are wealthy. But that's not why we believe. The reason why this is a distortion that messes up people's lives is because if you're poor, then you say, oh, maybe I just am not believing hard enough. Maybe I'm not going to church enough. I better go seven days a week. I better do all these good things. I better give away the money that I do have. And then you're even more poor. And then you're neurotic. 
Because you're not good enough. And if you're sick and you're praying for healing and it's not happening, and you keep praying and praying and praying and it doesn't happen, well, what does that mean? You just don't have enough faith. You're not a righteous person. You don't believe hard enough. And then you're neurotic with that. You're never good enough. Or, on the other hand, you do get rich, or you do get healed for some reason, then you say, oh, look at me. How good of a person I am. God has blessed me. And then you keep all the money for yourself, because why would you give it away? God gave it to you because of your righteousness. And then you keep it, and then you buy that nice big mansion, you buy the jet, and you've got your own TV show as a televangelist. Right? Not all televangelists are bad. But, but the reality is that this is a false gospel. It's not a gospel. God does not promise that we'll be well. He does promise that He'll meet our needs. And that will give us abundantly beyond all we more we can ask or imagine. But for most of us, our riches are in heaven. We're not going to get them here. We're going to have what we need. We may have more than that. But heaven, that's where the true riches will come. And all of us will at some point die in these bodies. There will come a point when we won't be healed. But yet, we know we'll have those new bodies ahead like we talked about last week. That's the gospel. Not this counterfeit. There's a fourth one. No modifications, I said. And this one has two different ones. The first one I call the debtor's gospel. And the second one I call the maybe gospel. Um, these ones are, are really tough. And you're going to say, oh, I, I've fallen into that one before. That's okay. That's why I'm giving you this message today. The first one, the debtor's gospel, says, oh yeah, I'm saved by grace. I, I believe that. But I owe God. For what Jesus did for me, I've got to work really hard to pay him back. And I'm going to have to work hard for my whole life so that, so that I can, can try to, you know, pay back God for all the things he's done for me. I, I'm in debt to him. Well, this too makes us neurotic. Because have we ever done enough to pay Jesus back for what he did? And, and then when we sin, it's like, uh-oh, am I falling back in the hole? Uh-oh, is, is God going to come and repo my salvation? We live in this constant fear of what's going to happen because we don't know if we've done enough to pay God back. We can't pay him back. Jesus already paid our atonement in full on the cross. Once for all for our sins. Yeah. But then there's the second one that's slightly like this, but in reverse. I call it the maybe gospel. And there's a group who think they're Christian, but they're not. And this is literally what it says in, in their holy book. It says, we are saved by grace after all we can do. That's what they teach, is the gospel. That's not good news. If we're saved by faith after all we can do, then we're going to have to work so hard. We're going to have to be living our life perfect and perfect. And then maybe at the end I'll get saved. Maybe there's grace for me at the end. But you're going to live your whole life in this neuroses, right? Am I good enough? Have I tried hard enough? Have I done enough things? And, and if you do those good things, if you're, then you're the judgmental, arrogant person. And if you don't, you're like, oh no, I'm not good enough. You're always in fear of judgment. Those aren't good news, are they? Those aren't good news because they mess up your life and how you live. The good news is that Jesus did everything for you. He forgave all your sins, past, present, and future. That if by believing in Him, you can have eternal life. That you don't need to fear the flames of judgment because Jesus has done everything for you and all that you have to do is believe. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins once and for all. And yes, you're going to do good things. Yes, you're going to do 
Things like get baptized and be a part of a church. Not because you have to, but because you want to. You're going to forgive other people because God has forgiven you. You're going to love other people because God has loved you. Not because you have to, but because you want to. God has changed your heart from the inside out because of the good news. If we get it right, it's going to change our lives for the better. If we get it wrong, it's going to mess everything up. So don't mess with the gospel. With the gospel, there are no additives, no substitutes, no preservatives, no modifications. There's only one good news, once and for all, for all time. So if you're here today and you're saying, well, Matt, I, you know, I think I've kind of been led astray by one of those gospels before. That's okay. We're getting it right today. We're getting it right today. So if you have one of those things, I want you to think about it. And sometimes it's just in your head. It's like, I know the truth, but I also keep telling myself, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. God maybe doesn't love me because I think I just did last night. You know, but we need to know the true gospel. That you are forgiven. That you are chosen by God and loved by Him and have eternal life ahead. So we, we need to take those things. So whatever is your error, I want you to think about it. Maybe write it down. Talk about it in your community group this week. And, and just say, yeah, I have been kind of led astray by this one. But I want to be centered on the truth. I want to get the gospel right so that my life can be lived out in the way it's supposed to live. And if you're here today and you're saying, Matt, I never knew the true gospel. I, I, I thought that Christianity was this, this religion of rules, of things you had to do to earn your salvation. Well, today is your day. It's your lucky day, right? That you can know today that by grace you have been saved through faith. All that you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ, declare Him as your Lord and Savior, and you can have eternal life. So if you want to do that today, just accept that gift of eternal life. And what I want you to do is, is tear that strip off the edge of your bulletin and put it in that box on your way out. Don't hand it to me. Right? And I want you to mark that it was the first time that you accepted Christ. Because I want to pray with you. I, you know, I want to... To encourage you on, on this, this new spiritual journey that you're on. Um, so wherever you are today, um, let's just get centered on the truth. The gospel. It's not mess with the gospel. Let's pray. Lord God, um, for the first person today who maybe heard the good news for the first time or really understood it for the first time, would you really help them believe right now? Give them faith. Draw them to yourself. Give them that gift of eternal life. Open up their heart. And I pray that from today, their life would be changed in the right direction. That it would lead to their complete transformation. And for those of us in here who have kind of been led astray, and maybe we believe the wrong thing, or we tell ourselves in the head the wrong thing, even though we know the truth, would you just help us get centered on the truth? That Jesus did everything for us. Would you help us to stand true to this gospel for all time? Knowing that we don't need to mess with it. It's good just the way it is. And Lord, let us leave here today in confidence, knowing that we have that grace through faith because of what Jesus already did. Be with us as we go. Amen.